0: Tell your friends about it if you like it. If you don't, let's just pretend you didn't listen to it. Thanks again for coming in, and we hope you enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Privacy, Please. I am your host, co-host, Cameron Ivey, as always, and uh, I got Gabe Gums here. Beautiful face. We got another beautiful face here uh, from the West Coast. He's a special guest in
1: Spirion's own, Scott Giordano. How are you doing, Scott? I am fabulous. Thank you, gentlemen, for inviting me on.
2: I know it's a pleasure to have you back on the yeah, show. Yeah, it's been a while—a little while, yeah. yeah. So, what's has been. what's shaken in the privacy world? Like it's been dull, as I understand it. Absolutely nothing at all has happened in the last.
1: <laughs> ah, no, nothing. Nothing ever happens in privacy. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed, I <laughs> I have nothing to do, gentlemen. Just don't tell my boss. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, well, man,
2: like I, I don't even know where to, to start with that question. So why don't you, why don't you help help me ask that question so our listeners can, can find a place to jump into, because there's a lot coming over the next six months to the, to a year, right? Like 2023 is going to bring a lot yeah. with it. So what are we looking forward? It is.
1: Well, at the state level, and this is something that I'm very enamored of is that we have five new rights-based data privacy laws coming online during the course of 2023. And it's going to be a big change for the business world, especially the business to consumer world.
0: So let's start with the first one. What's the biggest one? Probably the CP...
1: CPR, the California Privacy Rights Act. That goes live on the 1st of next year. And it is is the big one um, uh, for many reasons, one of which is the creation of our first privacy police. Um, This is something that our friends in the EU have had for many years is an individual agency that just is tasked with enforcing privacy laws. We do not have that until now here in the U.S. So the the California Privacy Protection Agency, the CPPA, or just the agency as I will call it, so we avoid the alphabet soup, um, that will uh, go live uh, January 1st. And uh, they are working right now on Updating the uh, not amendments. Uh, I think a better way to say it is the regulations to the CCPA, and so there's going to be a transition from CCPA, the California Consumer Privacy Act of 2018, to the CPRA, and so that transition happens at the beginning of next year, and with it comes the privacy police. It's going to be a big deal. Privacy. So can we start with something? We cool. would. Can we just back sure. half a
2: step and, and let's talk about the sure. acronyms because I think I. I I think there's some information in the acronym too. So it's no longer CCPA, which stood for what? Again, remind our listeners: California Consumer Privacy Act. And
1: it is now CCRA, which stands for. It's CPRA, California Privacy Rights Act.
2: Huh. And so, is it a subset of? Is it is is it all encompassing? What is the relationship to to CCPA?
1: It makes significant changes to the CCPA, so it is not a rip and replace, as some have suggested, but it makes significant changes, including the creation of the privacy police I just mentioned earlier.
2: So now the CCPA ceased to exist?
1: uh, That's a great question. Um, I wouldn't... You know, I would say from a nominal standpoint, yeah, so now we're, we're really shaving some hairs here uh, legally. Uh, I think from a nominal standpoint, yes, it becomes a CPRA, but the guts of it are largely CCPA with really lots of changes. I'm not going to say improvements because I don't want to make a value judgment, but lots of changes. Um, if you're a privacy advocate, then you're probably very happy with a lot of the changes. Probably not as happy as you could be if it had uh, gone even further, but it's a Very significant change from what we have now.
2: Okay.
1: Okay.
0: Hmm. I'm trying to picture these uh, privacy police men, women. I wonder if they have. Yes. (laughs) Are they real cops? Are they? um,
1: Well, that's uh, that's a great question. I don't know if.
2: (laughs) I mean, that's that's very important.
1: it up. I. I don't know if they're going to carry badges and guns and all those fun things. Although, um, to their credit, the Privacy Police in the UK, the Information Commissioner's Office, whenever they uh, enforce the law, they wear very FBI-like jackets. I'm mm. not saying they copy that from the FBI, but they seem to be very similar. So, so um, yeah, as far as, as how the, uh, uh, the U.S. or the California version of that is, uh, is equipped, I'm not 100% sure.
2: While while we're digging into some more of the details, um, let's hover a bit on who will be affected. So it, it, well, why don't we start with who used to be affected? Who was affected under CCPA? What organizations doing business where and under what circumstances would have fallen into the umbrella of CCPA?
1: If you uh, were an, an organization that conducted business in California, As a threshold matter, you have to do that at the very least. And then you have to have something in addition. So a certain minimum revenue requirement, like, say, $25 million in global revenue, for example. Or if you were in the privacy uh, collection business. So say that you collected personal data and resold it and got half of your uh, revenue or more from revenue, then that would put you in there as well. Also, um, originally, if you had 50,000 devices or individuals' personal data that you were um, processing – That would bring you into it as well. That's been raised to $100,000, but um, the other qualifications still stand. So the idea is that it's not really directed at small businesses, unless the small business is perhaps some startup that is just in in the uh, selling and buying uh, business of data. In that case, it makes sense to bring them within the law.
2: Okay. Okay. And so you covered both what it was and what it now is? Yes, so are there now fewer organizations that are covered by CPRA versus CCPA?
1: Oh, you know, it's it's a great question. It really depends on how you view it. I mean, the idea is that if it was if you're using a number threshold, say 50,000 before and now it's 100,000 now, potentially but you have to look at the revenue threshold. I mean, if you're using that as, as a threshold and at a minimum you have $25 million in revenue, you're captured by this anyway. So really, I don't know if it's going to make a huge difference in terms of who's captured and who's not, because in many cases, contractually, you may be required to comply with it anyway. You may, you may only have 10,000 persons in California whose data you have, but someone you may contract with may say, too bad, you're going to comply with this law. Right. I mean, is, is the
2: – oh, go ahead, Gabe. You're in. I was just going to ask, how, this, how is this going to affect all of the other state laws that had begun to have been modeled after the original CCPA? Um, or is this just hmm. that? It's a revisiting of CCPA as everyone else has kind of evolved past where CCPA was.
1: It's, it's a revisiting of that, but at the same time, every state is a sovereign – at least in theory, anyhow. And so they all have the ability to create laws that protect their own residents. So that's the kernel of this in any state law is that it's concerning your own residents, and it doesn't matter whether the company doing business is headquartered in your state or not. So uh, a company that is headquartered inside Florida that conducts business in California, collects personal data of the number of persons or whatever criteria it meets, it's going to be subject to that law. That's the idea. And this is this is the kind of thing that law students learn in the first week, literally of law school, is about jurisdiction and and who's who's subject to a state's jurisdiction within the bounds of the Constitution. But but long story short is that any company, and potentially any company outside of, of the US that is processing the personal data of California residents or these other states we'll talk about in a bit, Um, They're subject to this law, much like we are in the U.S. to the GDPR, at least in principle. It's fascinating.
0: Do you think that this puts pressure on the rest of the states? um, Now that this, this law is actually developing and actually molding into something even greater.
1: I I do. I do. And um, because of this, we have four new state laws in addition to the CPRA that'll go live next year during the course of the year. And it's directly as a consequence of this. So absolutely, it's putting pressure. It's also creating a national standard in my view, because it's the highest standard of all of these new laws. And as a consequence, everyone is still going to have to adhere to California, presumably if you do business or you do business with someone that does business Mm -hmm. in California. So this has really set a very high bar just as a national level, because you're not going to have 50 different standards. You're going to settle on one standard. It's going to be rationalized as the strongest standard. And that for now is going to be California.
0: Very cool. So is there anything else that you want to touch on with the California, the new act coming out, or should we move on to another one?
1: What I I think, well, really, California is going to be the most important of all of these okay. because it does a, a couple of things. One is I mentioned the privacy police earlier. It also has this idea of special personal data, which we've had for some time in other forms and fashions. You can think about HIPAA data, which essentially is special data. It merits special attention. We never called it that, but that would be called special data, uh, special personal data in the EU. What's happened, though, is that many types of data uh, under CCPA are now considered special. So think about a social security number. That's now special data. Um, Geolocation data, special data. Mm -hmm. Um, I I kind of joke, maybe only half-jokingly, that geolocation data is like the high-fructose corn syrup of data (laughs) because it's in everything. It's in everything, and it's, it's so pervasive that you don't even realize it. Uh, I would wager that your cell phones right now would not function without geolocation being enabled. So the fact that that's now special data that you have to get permission, affirmative permission, to sell that data or to create targeted advertising based on that data, it's a big deal. Yeah. And the fact that it's not just geolocation data, it's not just social security number information or biometric information, it's also communications so you've, a text that I send, unless I'm unless the business is the target of the text, unless I'm if I send a text, that text is now protected um, as special personal data. That's really taken this an extra mile. So a big deal, and it's something I don't think that a lot of folks appreciate, unless perhaps that they have inside counsel that really understands this and knows the implications.
0: That's pretty neat, actually, to think about that. Mm-hmm. Things are turning into well because the, just the way things are going. I mean, there there really is no privacy when it comes to text data. Um, when you think about it, like so, all you people out there that are uh, you know texting people you're not supposed to be texting, maybe you're going to be safe now. Um,
1: hey, I was thinking.
0: <laughs> no, I was thinking about the privacy police. They should do a documentary on the beginning of it and almost follow it like the first 48 hours. <laughs> I just thought about how funny it could be where they investigate um, and privacy matters. It'd be pretty interesting, but.
1: Well, I, I think in the, in the wake of some big hack, I think that's probably what you're going to see. I don't know if it's going to be quite as dramatic as the first 48 yeah. hours, but I give it time. And remember that over time, I think you're going to see this privacy police develop further powers and, and further refinements. And so you very well very well may see what you're describing. It, it, it would be uh, life imitating art in many ways.
0: I just think it'd be fascinating. Um, I mean, obviously everybody in our realm would love to see something like that behind the scenes or at least um, documented uh, in a documentary form that would be really entertaining. But that's really cool. Um, do you think that this puts more pressure on, I mean, I guess it's more pressure for larger companies. Does it really do, is it really helping the individual more as well?
1: I, I think it is assuming that individuals are apprised of what their rights are, but it, it gives them the ability to, uh, and I mentioned earlier, this is a rights-based right. law. And the idea is it gives individuals rights. It gives them the right to have a copy of their data, it gives them the right to amend it, or to delete it. Um, currently, or I should say, before these kind of laws came into effect, that was a very limited right. You had a a right, for example, to track your data under HIPAA, but again, that was a very confined area. Or on your credit report, very confined. Here, this is a very general law that says if a business has your data, you can request that data, you can amend it, you can delete it, you can make it quote unquote portable, which you know, depending on your point of view it could be as easy as turning it into a CSV file or something like that. but largely this has created a set of expectations now in the public and I think that's going to spread throughout the country.
0: Yeah, I think it's fascinating. I know the privacy world is excited. Why don't we why don't we talk a little bit more about the, the smaller ones that are coming out that some of us might not actually know about?
1: Sure. Sure. Um Live on the 1st of the year is going to be not just the California law, but the Virginia law. And so the Virginia law is similar to California, um, but it, it's going to have and it's also going to have certain thresholds like California would. Um It's not going to have a private right of action. And that's probably the biggest differentiator between California and these other four new laws coming online is that the private right of action is something that is a very big political hot potato. Not surprisingly, businesses don't want that granted to individuals because it, it results in litigation. Right. Uh, CCPA litigation was pretty pretty prolific when it first came out. Um, some things I thought were bordering on the absurd. Um, some of the uh, uh, the charges that are being made about things that had nothing to do really with CCPA at the time. But the net net of it is that a lot of litigation came out I doubt much of it was very successful, but this is something that, that businesses are concerned about. And if you're a, um, a business attorney, someone who's there to protect your company, you'd rather not see this kind of litigation because it can get very big, um, a la the Marriott uh, breach litigation, mm-hmm. for example. So um, in granting a private right of action just expands that possibility. So the other four laws don't have that private right of action. So as a consequence, again, if you're compliant with California, you're largely compliant with these other uh, laws, which is good. Um, But this is the other states decided to take some kind of a stand and say, look, we want to protect the the personal data of our individuals. And I think largely what's important is these basic rights, the ability to tell a business, hey, I want a copy of my data. I want to amend it. Um, I want to delete it. I want to take it with me. I want you not to use it for marketing purposes. That's an opt out. Whereas in the EU, they have an opt-in that you would use it for marketing purposes. So it's a different perspective. It's still much more deferential to businesses than the GDPR is, for example. But this is the the tack that states have taken.
0: And the same goes for having to do business in? Yes. Okay. It's the same.
1: Yes, exactly. The threshold is always going to be the same in the sense that you, as a business, you have to either conduct business in that state, And then you have to meet some kind of threshold. Again, it's usually a monetary threshold, a number of individuals in question, or you're in the business of buying and selling personal data. So if you look at all the thresholds, they're almost the same. I mean, there's going to be slight variations from state to state. Um, I know that some states that were looking at privacy laws this session, I think at least um, 23, 24 states were looking at about 50 different bills during this session. And so that was a common component was saying, okay, we're going to have a certain threshold. So small businesses were not going to be hit by this. That makes sense.
0: Okay. What's, uh, what's next after that one?
1: So after Virginia, then in the middle of the year, Colorado and Connecticut come online. Again, their um, laws are very much modeled in the same way that say Virginia is. So really, there's almost two tiers or maybe even three tiers of, of models. We have the California model, which is almost unique in the sense that it, it was a mashup of the GDPR and then perhaps just some ideas about privacy that were kind of put in somewhat randomly. Yeah. I would say. Um, it was done in a very short time or so I've been told. Whereas the other tier of models, Virginia, Connecticut, Colorado, Um, I think, largely use the Washington State model. Uh, It's ironic. I'm in Washington. We have a model that was never passed. So um, it's kind of interesting. They use that model largely. And um, it's a good model. It gives, again, basic rights of of access and deletion and so forth. Um, And so Colorado Connecticut come online 1st of July. And then at the end of the year, Utah comes online. Uh, Utah is a bit of a lower tier in the sense that it – it doesn't offer you the ability to amend your data just to access it and delete it, which I thought was kind of strange. It seems like if, if you want to access and change your data, you might as well instead of just deleting the whole thing. So I don't know if they, they may change that. But again, no private rights of action. The idea is that they wanted to create a threshold, minimum threshold for first, uh, businesses so that small businesses don't get hit. And um, they want to put some basic protections in for individuals. My guess is these other four states will likely revisit these laws in the coming year. And um, they'll probably make adjustments to them.
0: And we're talking about the example of um, where an individual can basically contact a company and see what kind of data they have the right to find, what kind of data is on them. And they have the right to basically tell them if they want them to delete it or not.
1: Exactly. And in fact, um, just as a fun experiment you can do, if you go to uh, California-connected companies like Disney, Mm. for example, uh, that are consumer-oriented, you'll be able to look at the bottom of the screen and there'll be, or somewhere in the screen, there'll be a, don't sell my data, um, or I want a copy of my data, or what have you. In fact, any California-based company that's consumer-oriented will have those kind of buttons spread throughout their website. So it's a fun experiment to go to some of those websites and have a look and see how they do I'm going to try that out actually pretty cool.
0: Um, Now that was, you said, uh, Virginia, Colorado, Connecticut, uh, California. And do we have one more?
1: And then, yeah, Utah will go online at the end of
0: the year. And what does that one entail? Is that about the same? Largely,
1: yeah. um, What you'll find is common to all these laws also is information security. So this is something that I think gets missed is that you'll either have their own individual requirements for data privacy and security. So, for example, the requirement that you'll conduct a risk assessment and then on the basis of that risk assessment, then you'll put in uh, the appropriate Mm -hmm. controls. That's common to all of these laws. Um, California takes it a step further, not surprisingly, and says that if you're a high risk business or what I think they call a significant risk business, Um, what is that? We don't know, but you'll be able to, or you'll be required to publish your risk assessment to the agency, to the privacy police periodically, and you'll be subject to audits. And I think that's going to be a game changer. And I think you'll see other states copy Mm -hmm. that, um, because the threat of an audit is enough to, I think, change behaviors at companies. Yeah, that's a
0: great point. Scott, this is great, great information for 2023 stuff coming out. I know that you, uh, you're you going to be at Black Hat uh, in Las Vegas next week uh, presenting. I don't know. How many uh, presentations do you have, and what days are you actually doing that? Can you give the listeners a little bit of insight?
1: Yeah, um, I have um, at the moment just one presentation at Black Hat on this very subject. It's going to be on security requirements for upcoming data privacy laws. I believe that's next Thursday, if memory serves, um, I'll be uh, I'll be there, and we can certainly post something on LinkedIn with all the particulars. But uh, yeah, I'll be I'll be uh, doing that. Also, I'll be at the booth the entire yep. time, so that uh, if folks want to come by and ask questions, happy uh, if they want to play stump the privacy guy, happy to do that. Um, that's always a fun fun one to do at uh, at conferences, and I'm happy to just help people understand what's changed in the privacy world. Awesome.
2: Now, uh, folks, play Stump the Privacy Guy and, uh, and <laughs> give a shout out to Scott G while you're at this show, if you would for me, please.
0: Oh, man. And I'll, uh, listeners, I'll also be there um, in Black Hat or at Black Hat in Las Vegas. So Scott and I will both be there. Um, you know, it just gave me a good idea, Gabe. We should, pr- like, for next year, Scott, maybe we should uh, we should do that thing where you have We'll have stump the privacy guy, and it'll be where you're sitting in the, you know, the thing where you can throw the ball and they can dunk you in the water.
1: <laughs> oh, like yes, like they do yeah. at the county fair. Yes, uh, I'm I'm sure people would love to um, get some frustrations out on a random attorney. Yes, that would be funny, but yes, that would be funny. You may want to search people before they uh, they come go onto the show floor, though, just in oh, case because yeah. uh, some people may want to take it a yeah, little that's, further that's than true. perhaps
2: it was not be held responsible for the action
0: that, no. uh, <laughs> well scott thank you for your time on here we really appreciate the uh, the insight here and uh, we'll see everyone next week
1: wonderful thank you Sorry. for having me back
0: hey you guys made it all the way to the end thanks for listening again if this is your first time, we really appreciate the support and everyone that's always been around since the beginning. We love you guys. Keep supporting privacy, please. And we'll always have new content each and every week. Cameron Ivy, over and out.